if you want to ask a question, uh, let's, um, let's do it this way, um, at first anyway. I mean, uh, if, you, if you have your phone with you, um, go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com, and enter the code midweek, midweek, and um, you'll, you'll be able to, these questions will show up here. Actually, everybody else is going to be able to see the questions too. If that's a problem for you, then find a piece of paper and bring it up here yourself, <laughs> and that way nobody will know where the question came from. No, give it to a friend and have that friend come up here and give me the question. Um, so, slido.com, slido.com. I just like saying that word, slido. Uh, what? Or you can ask from the floor. Uh, or you can ask from the floor. Uh, that that's something else, y'all. It's four till two, so we 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 don't have very much time. Um, that I didn't break it. Okay, maybe I did. Um, needs a new battery. All right. So questions. I've got some questions here. Hang on. I've got questions coming in now. Um, Will you turn on the Christmas tree lights, y'all? Is this is this a? I is is this what's going to enlarge our footprint in the community? These kinds of questions. I I can tell you what I think. No, uh, and uh, they don't work anyway right now. So so blah. Um, okay. How did you come to faith in Jesus? Um, I was uh, brought up in church and immersed in uh, God talk in my home. I had loving family all around me, uh, extended family too. And so it was, um, faith was very real and tangible. I was always curious about God from the time I can remember. Anything intangible and spirit, spiritual uh, was, was, it grabbed my interest immediately. Um, to wit, uh, I once wrote a note to the tooth fairy, uh, which at that young age, that was a spiritual concept to me because I'd never seen the tooth fairy. Um, and I had a little sock puppet that I said that I, I wrote a note. And the only person that I knew that would come into your room at night while you slept, uh, the only person I knew of was the Tooth Fairy. Santa didn't do that. He came to the Christmas tree. So um, I just thought, oh, I'll just ask the Tooth Fairy. Could, could she uh, you know, transform my sock puppet into a real um, animal? And... Um, she did not, and so um, I became um, I, I became atheistic in the sense that I, I was, no, I, I really, I thought, well, clearly she doesn't do that kind of work. Uh, so um, that was not in her union contract. Uh, so uh, I, 
I believed in Santa Claus for many years until I was, until I was in junior high, honestly. Uh, so anyway, I was a very easy catch for, for intangible concepts. <laughs> I really was. And I remember the night that I renounced my belief in Santa Claus, and it was very traumatic for me. It was a Wednesday night. Uh, honestly, it was, it was a Wednesday night in 1976, and I was, it was near Christmas time, probably around November uh, or so, and it was, it was difficult for me. It really was. I felt horrible for my parents who had worked so hard to keep up this fiction uh, for, their, for their seventh grade son. Uh, and uh, so... Anyway, uh, clearly they provided no guidance on Santa Claus uh, to me uh, to say at an earlier age, Brian, he's not real. Um, but uh, so anyway, all that to say, I, I, I was immersed in um, spiritual concepts and so, and it was a natural step for me to say, uh, I, I want to follow Jesus any way that I can. And I wanted to identify with him. I didn't phrase it like that when I was seven years old. I was seven years old, and um, I spoke with my parents, spoke with our pastor, and um, was baptized. Uh, so I was seven years old. And But it was a natural outgrowth of spiritual formation that, that was available to me in my family and in my church in a very, very loving way. I had very good Sunday school teachers uh, that I still remember to this day that just took great care uh, with me. Even as a young child, I remember ages three and four uh, in Sunday school. And I remember uh, back when I, to when I was very young. So it, it, was, it was a process of, of just somebody being spiritually formed in that, in that way. And that's how I came to faith in Christ. Um, and so there are more questions coming in. Okay, um, our tote board shows many questions coming in. Um, why is it impossible for someone to repent? Uh, this question says Hebrews chapter 4. Um, it, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all, all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Um, you know, we, we Baptists make much of once saved, always saved. And I, I believe that as far as God is concerned. Um, but we are very fickle people and, uh, you know, human beings. And, and we can, there are many levels of our commitment to uh, a person, and even uh, up to and including Christ. Um, and, and so, um, and, and we cannot tell, looking at another person, where her or his <clears throat> spiritual um, attentions lie, we can make a reasonable guess, but only God knows that. 
And so I think this is referring to something like Jesus was talking about in the parable of the, so the sower and the seed. I mean, some seed is scattered into thin soil and it springs up very fast, very healthy looking, but then the sun comes out and it withers away. Some falls among the thorns, very fertile soil, but it grows up and the thorns come in and choke it. So there are very many reasons why people would fall away after an initial apparent commitment to Christ. But I will say this, when you pursue Christ, he will never reject you. When you pursue him, he won't. Um, but you've got to be the one to make that call. That's my short answer on that. Um, and so, but, but regarding what the writer of Hebrews says, if that person turns away often, the person will find, and we do this in, in any kind of life with another person, if we decide to go back or reject, you've had a friend right before who's, who's uh, there's been some kind of a rift and you don't know what it is, but you've, and so you've tried to reach out and that friend just continues to maintain distance and then build up uh, justifications for, for maintaining that distance. Um, this is what we do. We, we must, psychologically, we must justify what we do or there is this dissonance that we can't live with. So we continue to justify. And so it, it, the writer of Hebrews is just saying, it, this, is how, this is how people are. It, it, they just don't come back once they've built up that kind of justification and reinforced it and reinforced it and sought the hardness of heart uh, that, that they're seeking, and uh, they, just, they just don't come back. Some people will never come back. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. God is faithful, but some people will never come back. Okay? Um, all right. Uh, we got a whole bunch of questions here. Jason, I keep putting you off, but I, I, if, let's talk afterwards. I'm trying to get as many folks asking questions as possible here. So, please. Uh, okay. We'll get to you in a minute then. Okay? H hang on. Hang on. Um, how should Christians be involved in politics? Live in a monastery. Okay, uh, no. Um, this, is, this, is a, this is a continual, it's a perennial question. How should Christians be involved in politics? I would say as much as you want, first of all. Um, good societies are built by, by faithful people working for the common good. And so, um, you know, get there. Uh, it, some people are more turned toward that than others. And so um, I, I would say if, if, if you have an interest in uh, advocating for some issue or another, find ways to express this uh, politically. You can, becoming involved in politics is a many-faceted thing. Sometimes that means corresponding with your uh, city council person. Sometimes that means, or, or corresponding with any level, any government official at any level. Sometimes that means going and testifying uh, in Austin uh, on an, at a Senate hearing, uh, you know, on some issue. We did this, a, a group I was involved with a few years ago, and it was the only time I'd ever really been involved in politics aside from voting um, we were trying to figure out a way 
to build an alternative um, lending entity to payday lending, which is toxic and poison. Stay away from those places. Um, and so, I mean, they're completely legal, but stay stay away from them because it's a trap. And uh, many people have, uh, you know, ended up taking a, out a $500 loan, and lo and behold, a year later, they owe $3,500. And it just keeps on spiraling like that. Uh, having never taken out any other loan. I mean, it will just do the, the added fees. If you can't pay it back in full, you can't pay it back at all. So it just continues to compound and so forth. Um, and I was a part of a group trying to figure out a way to circumvent this. And y'all, it's hard. And I want to tell you, it is hard to take an issue. And I, I went in very naive thinking, we're going we're gonna to do this. And uh, about two years later, I was, it can't be done. You know, um, I, I, I don't think that it can't be done, but I know that I couldn't do it. And, I, and this group couldn't do it. Um, but I like to think that we helped raise the issue in the minds of uh, some churches and, um, and even the legislature. We went to Austin and we testified, uh, but that's a big lobby. The, the payday uh, lenders have a big lobby uh, with legislators. So, um, you know, that was, that was all the energy I had. I mean, I, and I... The way I've been involved with politics since is I have voted. So that's involvement with politics. Uh, but there are many, many ways. So I would say get involved. Nobody is ever going to say in the church there are too many Christians involved in politics. Um, that, that's just so. Um, and I realize that there's, there are complicated issues in that question. But I would just say be involved as much as you can without uh, becoming um, bitter because it, it really can um, begin to sort of – as a matter of fact, I, I will say this. I, I had a, a friend years ago who became involved in the anti-abortion um, movement. Very, uh, very good to be involved in that. Um, but it got to the point that that's all he could talk about. You know, I, I really he used to talk, he and I used to talk about running and, you know, we would talk about just a, a lot of stuff. Very engaging personality. But he began slowly to, to adopt this this tunnel vision and then this just this singular focus so that he was almost not even a real person. He was just this walking issue. And he would, you know, he would just, he was broken by it and he was miserable. I don't know how life in his family went. I mean, he was married and had kids. I, it, was, it must have been awful. I, I don't know. But that's all, I mean, he was just totally... And he eventually ended up leaving our church because uh, we weren't, you know, he, he first, before he left, he began to distance himself from people who were not as passionate as he was about this issue. Have you known people like this? And, and you know, it was like, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be laughing 
because in the time that we laughed, there were, you know, 50 babies aborted or, or whatever, you know, and, and it's just, it just began to consume him, and they eventually left our church because he, he just couldn't, he couldn't stand, you know, being around people that didn't take up the cross, you know, like this. So um, I, I would just say, don't do that. Um, don't, don't do anything near that. Um, because, y'all, this, this world is just, you know, you have to take it on its own terms, and you have to live in it, and you have to live in it lovingly. And, and you can weep for it, but laugh too, you know. I mean, just find the joy. So don't let politics do that to you because then you have uh, become enslaved to a new master. Must Christians support Israel even if most Jews reject Jesus? No, most uh, Christians must not. They don't have to support Israel. This is a, this is a socio-political question. Um, and there are, there are Christians of great faith who believe that Israel is an illegal state. I'm, 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 I'm just telling you, that's what they believe. And you can make a reasonable case for that. Um, now, I, I just keep in mind, uh, there are Palestinian Christians as well. There are many fewer Palestinian Christians now that many of them have fled. But, uh, and the Palestinian people suffer. And we, you know, don't, don't accept the um, just what you hear on the news as the gospel truth. That's always a telescoped version of the truth on, on e any side that you can pick. But all I'm saying is if we're going to make support of the state, the modern state of Israel, a litmus test for whether we, we, we uh, love one another, we're making a grave mistake, a grave mistake. Um, not supporting the modern state of Israel, uh, you know, depending on what that means. Uh, you know, I, do you think, should we, should we bomb them, you know, or should we talk to them about how they can live, coexist peacefully with uh, the Arabs? Is there a two-state solution? You know, any number of these can be construed as not supporting the state of Israel. But the modern state of Israel is not the same thing as ancient Israel, it's not. Uh, it is a modern political state that was uh, created uh, after the end of World War II uh, in 1948 uh, by the powers that be, you all know, the Balfour Declaration and all that. I mean, they, they were carving up the Middle East and, you know, so uh, they wanted a buffer to, uh, you know, some of the Arab lands and so, um, I, all I'm saying is um, I, I think that we need to be uh, very careful with how we, you know, divide up who's right and who's wrong in questions of sociopolitical uh, realities, okay? But all I'm saying is it, it is not, um, it doesn't mean that you're anti-Bible or anti-Christ or anti-God if you, if you differ to have a, a differing opinion with somebody on the state of Israel. Um, okay. Uh, wow, a lot of political uh, questions here. Um, 
Okay. Uh, to what point do we get involved with inclusion? Marriage is between a man and a woman, so how do we show love while staying firm in our beliefs? Um, great question. I think that um, we're going to have to present a, an argument um, that is compelling. I think that we say, with regard to sex, and I'm, I'm guessing inclusion is referring particularly to uh, sexual expression and marriage here. Um, there, first of all, um, we're not called to argue in the sense that that you know to gainsay one another. Most of what passes as as argument is is just gainsaying, which is I I got a I got a sicker burn in than you did, you know that kind of that kind of thing. Um, but um, to to argue, we're, first of all, we're going to have to say we. Um, we're going to have to to figure out how we're going to present ourselves to people uh, who who listen patiently and who are interested in what other people have to say. That's the first step. Because if you know, if you know that somebody doesn't care what you have to say it is very dispiriting and it um, it only breeds more hostility I mean think about it if you if you have um, if you're talking to somebody at the DMV who's staring at you like this you know you it's like it makes you crazy I remember trying to change the registration on a vehicle that that uh, we had received from a family member, and this person behind the counter, I swear, she was not interested. First of all, she was she was she she hated all human beings on the other side of the counter. I'm pretty sure, um, but but she she was like, you have to fill this form out, and you can't make. She told me this. You can't make any mistakes. And she told, like, told me like that. And I, I, I wrote very carefully, and I, and I accidentally wrote the, the wrong letter on one of the squares, and I, I was able to change it. And all you could tell was that it looked, it, the ink was a little thicker, you know, and darker. And she looked at that, and she said, okay. Did you write the wrong letter in that square? And y'all, I swear, I, I had I had had it up to there, because I I was this was my last shot at, at it was all the, you know, humanity I had left in me, and I said, no. So I I lied to her, and I'm so sorry. I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the cosmic court. Uh, and we know who's at the center of that court, the one who invented mercy. So anyway, I think I've paid for that many times over anyway. So, uh, but um, 
it was a well it was kind of a good car but it was uh anyway um i i'm just telling you uh we 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 get people like this you know or worse if we're not going to listen to them that has nothing to do y'all with what we believe except when it comes to what we believe about other people and so remaining true to our beliefs also means remaining true to your beliefs about other people so it's not do not say that believing in doctrinal positions is the entirety of true belief believing in doctrinal positions is part of it right doctrine but the other part of it is believing rightly about being in the presence of other people I was listening to a radio show a few years ago that um, in which the the host of the radio show said something like it was a religious program and it said something like um, he said these are the principles that our our um, spiritual ancestors were martyred for and gave their blood for and died for and I wanted to say no that's not true they didn't give their lives for principles they gave their lives for a person Jesus Christ and by extension they gave their lives in sacrifice for other people you see so it, there is no substitute for that and um, while that sounds all noble it leaves out the human element there so it, the way that we include people and engage people is to live as persons with deep respect for other people and love and say I want to hear what you have to say we have to so to that end we have to develop patience we have to wait for other people to speak to think to live and we have to um, develop a a view that says we must not judge others based on what they do or fail to do for us but on the basis of what they suffer because everybody suffers and if we will keep that in mind we will go a long way to being a, a people that uh, articulates a compelling um, vision of the gospel and of of certain points of reality like sexuality and so forth um, without um, pushing other people away so um, the short answer to that then would be we must we must have right beliefs about other people this is neighbor love neighbor love it's not enough just to love God you have to love the neighbor okay um, huh. let's see here um, let's take your suicide question there Jason
You're welcome. That's right. Is that the suicide question? Oh, okay. Wait, she's afraid of going to hell, and yet she wants to kill herself? Well, Jason, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I, I think, um, first of all, you may not be able to prevent that. That may be completely already decided. I, I don't know. I don't know where she is, you know, in that process. But um, so first of all, you, it is important for anybody to say, I probably uh, am only going to have a minuscule effect here, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I can... It, 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 I'm getting there, but, but, it's, but let's just park here for just a second. You are not the savior of the world, and you're not the savior of any particular person. Now, that is not meant to diminish your care or your concern. That is meant to diminish the kind of burden that you're dealing with here. You may not be able to prevent this. And, and that, that's, the, you, that's the first go-to the first go-to because it is not helpful in the least if you're tasked with preventing somebody's suicide it that's not helpful second um, you you are you care and you are concerned yes so what does a caring concerned person do caring concerned person listens and a caring and concerned person will uh, help that person find skilled people to talk to if the person is willing to talk to skilled people if, if that person is not then uh, you are back to simply listening and praying and um, a asking uh, questions such as um, how what would what would it look like what what would life need to look like for you to want to go on living you have to find uh, angles there that there, there's some daylight to work with now um, short of you know suicide prevention techniques uh, you know hotlines and therapists and so forth that's what that's those are some of the rudimentary things that you're left with anybody else want to weigh in on this agreed oh that's that's true if there is something imminent absolutely well said, both of y'all, well said. Um, here, here's a question. Um, what can we do to make the church a safer place for those who need it? 
I think this is one of the reasons that we must pursue difficult questions. Um, I think the church being a safe place, I am convinced, y'all, has to do with what we allow and what we disallow. And what we allow, we, we should never disallow um, questioning. We should never disallow that. In fact, we should encourage that, and we should ask that. Jesus asked questions that, that made people uncomfortable, the religious establishment. He would take passages of Scripture that had long been interpreted in certain ways. And he would say, wait, have you ever noticed this about that passage of Scripture? How come? They didn't know what to do with that. Um, he, he, um, He muddied people's nice, tidy concepts of what it meant to be, means and meant to be, spiritually right um, and and so he did not present himself even Jesus did not present himself as one who has all the answers you know uh, the, the person saying Lord tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me and Jesus said that's not my job I'm not going to give you an answer to that I don't know what's going on in your family you know um, he, he would say but I can tell you this, beware of greed. So, you know, it's, if we will, we cannot toe the party line unless we are interested in continuing to uh, tear down and reform our spiritually held uh, opinions. And so, um, first I would say, to make the church a safe place, we have to make it a dangerous place. We have to make it dangerous uh, for people who think they know everything. <laughs> and we have to make it safe then for people who don't know squat but really are troubled. Uh, so, yes, Ryan. I would personally, if I feel, if I were to go you know, find a church to be a part of, and I'm still considering First Baptist. Um, but if if I were um, if I were to if I were looking around for a church, that's one of the things I would one of the probably the first thing I would uh, say is how how seriously do do these folks uh, take the exploring of the universe through questions. I, I, I don't think I could live, you know, well if I had to, to, you know, sort of be a, a, a way that was acceptable to, you know, the church in order to be accepted by the church. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that, Two things. One, yes, I do think a, a church that that um, takes the asking of questions seriously on the whole might tend to be healthier. 
But two, uh, I think that some groups that say we like to ask questions um, um, might become sort of enamored with um, the fact that there really is um, no reality that they're trying to get at. In other words, reality is sort of a shifting sand kind of thing, and I, I think that churches can become lost uh, with regard to that. Um, if, if the church, if I, hear, if, if I ever hear this phrase in a church, your truth and my truth, then, I, then I'm going to go, I, I, think, I think I'm going to go back to First Baptist Church. Um, <laughs> instead of the truth. But on the other hand, if I hear, I'm going to tell you the truth. And this is the way it is, people. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some more information there. Because I'm going to go, does that mean I can't ask a provocative question about what you're telling me is truth, you know. So it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance, I think. So, Jason, uh, Jason, j can can we talk just a minute? I've, there's some other questions I've got to get to. I've got to get to. Um, all right, and and we're gonna actually we're gonna have to wrap it up here. Um, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer one more question. Can spiritual leaders can spiritual leaders measure others' spiritual maturity? Or is this only between a person and God or both? When I hear them say, you are immature, it seems like a sword. Um, if a person who says you're immature, most people who say that to you have no right to say that to you. I'll just say that. Um, most people who, who will say something like that do not have a right to say anything like that to you. Um, we we want to get right to, often, we want to get right to this authority question without building up any trust whatsoever. And you can find plenty of people who say, well, as the, as the spiritual authority, now I'm a servant leader, so anytime anybody says, I'm a servant leader, I, 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 I want to say, again, I need more information. Um, because if I advertise, you know, advertising is a form of manipulation. And so you got to be careful with that. Um, you know, so I would say that most people who would say something like th that to you are, are going right to this position without having a life with you. We've got to build a life with one another. I mean, you read Paul in 2 Corinthians, like we've been reading in the reverse passages, <clears throat> and he's torn up. That he even had to raise, that he even felt like he had to raise his voice or write harder. You know, he was like writing letters, so he couldn't really raise his voice. He would just, he would just write harder on the papyrus. Um, and, and he was, he was torn up by that. All caps, <laughs> yeah. He was texting in all caps. Um, he, he was torn up, y'all. This was Paul. Who, who before his conversion was this 
rising academic star, you know, PhD uh, culture shifter, you know. But, but here he was, he was so torn up that, that he might have wounded this church. So, you know, just everybody quit trying to tell everybody what to do, you know. Um, so that's my answer, and I, I, I hope I, whoever you are, anonymous. I hope uh, I hope that was helpful. There is actually one more question uh, that's that's here that will wrap up, um, and it is. Um, Will you uh, wear your elf slippers? And um, and the the answer is um, you are spiritually immature. Uh, so uh, I I and and I'm kind of torn up by saying that, but uh, I think it's what Paul would have said. Uh, Okay, y'all, I love you, and uh, I hope you're just having a great night. And if you can, please just pray for one another around these tables. David, do you have something? Podcast. What? Oh, pod, the pod. I want to cast that somewhere. Uh, by the way, these are on podcasts. We have, we're, we're on iTunes now, Midweek in the City. Midweek in the city, um, so there should be uh, the the first one was um, the pearl, and it's y'all. Please listen to that at Pearl or share that with people. That panel was amazing. That panel was amazing. So um, share that with people, and then um, last week I think not last week but week before last uh, is is up on the podcast it's midweek in the city go to itunes midweek in the city and subscribe yes subscribe to that and um and then this week will be up sometime so uh but yes we have a pod out here nothing to do with the podcast um that we need to put these square tables in so let i tell you what let me well if you need to pray for each other you do that the rest of us will actually do some work um (laughs) But no, but no manipulation. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I, j- I will, before you leave here, before you leave here, if you will help me get these, get these square tables into the pod and get these chairs, David, what do we do? On the back porch, yeah. And then this AV tower and all that. So, uh, what? Oh, no. Yeah, we're taking it. Well, no, I guess Jeremy's doing that. Leave the AV tower. Don't do that. Um, just take the furniture. And uh, y'all pray for one another around tables, and we'll call it a night. Thanks, everybody.